The following sermon podcast is a glimpse into the community of Central Bible Church, where we strive to welcome everyone into Jesus' life. We hope that you can join us for this Sunday service as we gather together seeking to live in and for Christ. Okay, my name is Andrew, and wait for it, I'm one of the elders at Central Bible Church. Um, If you're new here, um, I had been on staff for about nine years, and in various capacities, and then a couple months ago, my wife and I uh, asked our elder board if uh, I could graciously be relieved of my duties uh, as one of the pastors here so that we could pursue... um, a couple of business endeavors that we had had our hearts um, kind of longing to do for a little while. And so they were gracious enough to do that. Uh, And that's what we've been doing the last couple of months. And uh, it's been going all right. And we'd be happy to talk about it if you wanted to to come speak with us. Uh, But now is not the time. So I've only been given 20 minutes. And so we're going to have to go quickly. And so let me pray. And then uh, let's get started. Lord, we love you. I love you. And we are thankful for this community that we have um, heard um, so many great stories about over these last uh, few months. I pray that you will bless our time together as a a church family, that you will open up our hearts and our minds, um, that we would grow in our love for you, and that we would grow in our love for one another um, each and every day uh, and each and every week in our services, in our home communities, and in, in our relationships. Amen. Yeah, struggling here. All right. So I was asked to recap our Ephesians uh, series, Ephesians 4 series, and I realized that I haven't even been in a service for five weeks. Uh, So it was very difficult to recap something that I haven't been a part of. I was uh, delivering puppies, you know, a la call the midwife one week. I was was on vacation for two weeks, and then I was helping in children's ministry for two weeks. So I had to go back this week while I was working and listen to all the podcasts of the sermon series that we've, we've just gone through. And so that's nothing more than a shameless plug for you if you have missed a service Go listen to the sermon. It's really easy. It's on your CB app. It's on the website. There's no excuse to miss a a sermon and not listen to it. It's right there. It's really easy. And so that allowed me to kind of get caught back up. And I I recognized two things while I was working this week. I was putting siding on the side of my house, listening to these podcasts. and And I thought two things. One, we are so, I'm so grateful and we are so blessed as a church community that we have multiple people who can get up here and speak. Who can, who can bring the scriptures each and every week. Uh, we have uh, an elder team, people who are not on our elder team. Mackenzie has contributed. People, we are lucky to have a, a group of people who can deliver God's word each and every week. The second thing that I, I took away is that what we've been studying in Ephesians 4, uh, relational intimacy, being a part of a church community, is really, 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 really hard. Like every sermon I listen to, was, was both encouraging and then at the same time, wow, how are we going to do this? Like, this is really difficult to, to, to follow the, what Paul is telling us uh, in Ephesians. And so I think, unfortunately, in, in churches, often we, I don't think we quite understand what uh, a real community and relational intimacy looks like. I think a lot of people are tempted to say, I'm connected to the community. I, I have good relationships with people. I come on Sunday mornings. 
or I'm part of a home group, or I've got a Bible study. Uh, but unfortunately, physical presence does not equal relational intimacy. Physical presence does not equal relational intimacy. I think we've all seen, uh, we've all seen married couples who have been married for years and yet have, they're basically roommates who don't talk to each other. That was my experience growing up with my parents. Many of you have probably seen that as well. There's physical presence, but not a relational intimacy that talks, that, that shows that they know each other. Or, or like following somebody on Instagram. A lot of you in here follow people on Instagram, and, and you're a part of somebody's life through pictures and videos, and you know a lot about somebody. You know about what they like to eat, what they're doing with their days, what they wear, likes, dislikes, but you don't really know them, do you? You know about them, you've, but you don't really know them. You don't know their hurts, their fears, or their inner dreams, or the things that they're embarrassed to tell other people. That's the difference between physical presence or knowing about somebody and really, truly knowing them. And that's what Ephesians 4 calls us to do, to, to truly know people. And so on Friday, I was listening to another podcast. I love listening to podcasts. It's like free education. And so I was listening to another podcast, and this one was called This American Life. Um, and it's a great podcast where each week they, they share stories or narratives that all revolve around a certain theme or topic, okay? And the one that I was listening to, I love, I love the, the title of this one. Uh, the, the title of the podcast was In Defense of Ignorance, okay? In Defense of Ignorance. And one of the three stories talked about this thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Has anybody heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect? Let me tell you about it. Okay, so essentially the Dunning-Kruger effect is this, this effect that psychologists, these two psychologists came up with was the idea of that people um, have a very, very poor ability to accurately know how good or bad they are at something. Essentially, people have a really low self-awareness and social awareness, like almost universally. And so they came to this understanding to a series of experiments where they brought a group of people into a room and they gave them a test. And after the test was over, they, they interviewed them one by one and they asked them two questions. And they said, one, how well do you think you did on that test? They would give an answer. And then the second question is, how well do you think you did in relation to everybody else who was in the room taking the test with you? And what they found was really interesting. What they found was that the people who did poorly, almost all the way across, said, I did really well. <laughs> and on top of that, they, saw, they thought that they were like in the high, uh, you know, in the upper percentile. Like I was in the top 75, the top 90 percentile. So not only did they have an inaccurate view of how they did, they thought they were better than everybody else. Okay? And then on the flip side, those who did really well on the test knew they did well on the test, but thought they did poorly compared to everybody else. Okay? Interesting. And so what they realized was that um, that's a lack of social awareness and, and self-awareness. And so just kind of recap, almost everyone who took the test struggled to accurately read themselves or the other people around them. And so the, the researcher that they were interviewing, the, the Dunning guy, he, uh, they were talking to him, and he, he gave his conclusion of what 
he thinks that people need to do to overcome this. Does anybody have any idea what it is? So simple. It's living in community. Living in community. The only way to grow in social awareness and self-awareness is to live in community. You have to be in a community where people can look at you when you're bad at something and say, you're really bad. But you're going to get better if you work harder or you try or you're willing to work on that thing. And then on the other side, you have to live in a community so that there, when there are people who are, who are good at things or excelling in things or are particularly gifted, we need to encourage them and build them up and say, use those gifts that God has given you um, in, in for our community. And so my guess is that churches aren't much different than, I think this is the study probably reflects more of our community and our, and our culture than we, we want to give credit. And so I think churches are, are not much different. I think in reality, our churches, uh, we think we're a lot better at community than we really are. That's what I was thinking while I was listening to this, this podcast. And we, we come each week and we we, we exchange kind pleasantries, right? Hey, how are you doing? You, oh, I'm good. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm good, too. That's good. And some people go one step further, right? They know names. That's a bonus, if you know the name. Uh, occupations, um, maybe what they worked on their house that week or one of the things they did that Saturday. And then some people even take it one step further. They hang out with each other. They have a meal. They, they have conversation. But very few people are relationally intimate with one another. They, they exchange relational intimacy for physical presence. And relational intimacy asks us to do so many more things. So I'm going to give a few highlights from the, the sermon series. And again, I only have 20 minutes, so this is going to be quick. But first, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to play an essential role in developing intimate communities among our church body. Without the Spirit of God, we stand zero chance of having a community that is relationally close with one another. Paul says in Ephesians 4, As a prisoner for the Lord, that I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Man, as much as I love all of us in here, we stand no chance of doing that without the Spirit of God in our life and in our community. All that needs to happen is for one conversation to be taken out of context. Maybe the music is too loud or too soft. Maybe somebody uh, took something the wrong way or uh, the person who was preaching was wearing a hat. <laughs> Things derail so quickly. It's like the office episode where Dwight locks the door and then pulls the fire alarm. Panic ensues. Chaos. I mean, if you haven't seen that YouTube, that clip, it's hilarious. And that is what happens in a church community when the, the Spirit of God is not front and center. We start thinking the worst of each other. We say things we shouldn't. We lack patience, gentleness, and humility. And before we know it, Donna Gurney is throwing the projector through the window. Tony Hoffman is leading a group of people to bust the door down with the copy machine. 
situations and conversations quickly get out of hand. And so I know I brought a little bit of humor into this, but I was on staff here for nine years. I know this full well. Like, I know this really well. Like, things get out of control quickly when somebody doesn't take the time to actually follow up on a conversation, to ask somebody, what did you mean by that? Or to find the source of what actually happened. Gossip, slander, and judgment spread like wildflower. Wildfire. Those two, that would be the good version. Wildfire. <laughs> if you don't take the, the, the time to find out the truth. But God gave us the spirit. And he gave us the ability to offer charitable judgments towards each other, which are clothed in grace and humility. And that's the type of community that Paul is calling to us each and every day. I have found it helpful for myself personally. Um, the people I'm the most impatient with and the most unloving with are those who I'm closest to. And so uh, I've started a practice of every morning waking up and, and taking time to, to slow my life down and to ask the Spirit of God to give me patience to those who don't meet my unstated expectations. When I'm willing, I said, I need to be patient with people and I need to give people the benefit of the doubt because often it's my fault that I'm impatient. It's my fault that I don't give enough grace. And I think that's something that we can do, each and every one of us, to set our hearts and our minds in the right place as we engage with one another in our church community and in our, our small groups, community groups, Bible studies, and the people around us. So the spirit must be present in our community if we are to grow in a relational intimacy. There's, there's a direct correlation. If there's no place for the spirit, it means that there's no relational intimacy in our, in our community. It just, it's not gonna happen. Second, through the, spirit, uh, through the spirit, it gives us the ability to live as a messy, happy family. As brothers and sisters in Christ, that changes how we live. In verse 22, we are told to put off our old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness. Being an intimate and vulnerable family is essential to having relational intimacy and to grow in Christ-likeness. Simply reading your Bible, although it helps, doesn't grow you in relational intimacy. Going to a Bible study, coming to church, um, even listening to a podcast or a sermon online, helpful as it is, it's not going to help you grow in relational intimacy or to be more like Christ in a, in a truly profound way. You need brothers and sisters in our community, people that you interact with on a daily and weekly basis to look at you in the eyes and call you out and say, that is no longer okay. Because you love Jesus, because you want to be like him, cut that out. And in the same way, you need to be willing, I need to be willing to when somebody says that to me, to stop and say, yeah, I'll think about that. Let me ask the Spirit of God to work in my life so that I can make changes to be more like him. And it doesn't matter if you've been in church a week, a month, or 75 years, we all have room to grow. Additionally, being a family means that you are in it for the long haul. Uh, friends come and friends go, uh, but as a church community, we're committing to be with each other until, um, until something, maybe a job or another situation, takes us somewhere else. We're not just bailing uh, because we don't want to be here anymore. It also means that we're being generous with one another. 
It means that we open up our time, our energy, and our cold, hard cash to help each other out. We do it because we love one another and we want to bless those who we, who we know and trust and love. And so then lastly, the third point I want to make is that nowhere in the New Testament is being part of, uh, it, it, nowhere in the New Testament are you allowed to not be part of this community, the type of relationally intimate community. There's no, there's no other way to do it. And I think this is where the, coming full circle, the Dunning-Kruger effect, this is where it comes in. There's no excuse. You don't, you don't get to come and simply show up and then leave. You get to come and you get to be a part of it. You get to grow. You get to engage. And you get to allow people to speak into your life. And I think most of us in here probably think we're a lot better at that than we really are. I know I was there. I think about a year ago, um, the Lord really started working in my heart and in my mind um, and really convicting me on on my, um, my ability to engage with the community and to allow other people to speak into my life despite being in leadership and being on staff. And he started opening up my heart and my mind to saying, man, I think being part of a church community means so much more than just being part of a social club. Yeah, the Lord is working in my life personally, but I don't think I was allowing much space for other people to encourage and convict me through, that Holy, through the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be a church community. You don't want to be a church community that's surface deep. I know that. And it takes work, a lot of work, to move beyond that. And as a leadership team, as an elder team, as a pastoral team, and a staff team, this is a, a decision that we've made to really lean into this type of community. Even this last week, we, we meet, our elders meet once a week on Wednesday mornings. This last week, we had a really hard meeting. Uh, and it was, I mean, it was good, but it was really hard. And we spent about an hour hashing through something that was said. Uh, and it was messy and it was difficult, but we wouldn't let it go because we needed to get to the bottom of it to make sure that we were all good and on the same page and able to move forward. And both sides gave a little bit. There were forgiveness that was offered, received, hugs, and ultimately we all left still friends. But I think it's the type of thing that we want to see happen more and more here. And it gets easier as you realize that those people that you're talking to really love you and really care for you, and they want what's best for you. A few months back, uh, I was listening to a sermon uh, by John Mark Comer in Bridgetown. And I'm going to do this quickly, but it's, it's called The Cycles of Community. And I think this is really important for all of us. There's five stages. The first stage is the honeymoon stage. It's that stage where you are getting engaged with the community and you love it. You're excited. It's new. Maybe you've only been going there for a few weeks and you're thinking, this could be something. This could be great. It's that honeymoon stage, like you've just met a person for the first time. What could go wrong? And then stage two is the stage of apathy, where you get to know somebody a little or get to know a group or a person a little bit more. Things start to get a little bit more surface level because you've engaged, you've had your fun, but it's really not going too much further and you start to get a little bit apathetic. You just do that, that routine of the same thing. And then conflict annoyance. I think this is where people get held up and then bail on the situation. People start saying things that you don't like. You get annoyed at habits, the way somebody chews or the way somebody talks or the thing that they like or their political preference or the sports team they like, whatever it may be. We get annoyed or we get into conflict and then we just bail. And sometimes we bail physically and then other times we just bail mentally. 
and we're there, we're there in, in physical presence, but again, we're not emotionally present. And then there's stage four, which is acceptance. This is for like, okay, this is just what it is. It's not gonna change, I need to be the one that changes. And it's at this place that a community, all of us, it becomes really beautiful because we realize that the community is only gonna be as, as encouraging to us as we allow it to be, as we allow the Spirit of God to work in our own life to be patient and loving and gentle and kind and humble, and then things start to get good. And that's when we get to stage five, which is re-engagement, where you say, hey, I'm in it, this is awesome, let's do this. And that's where I want all of our, everybody in here to get to. Let's get to stage five, where we say, this is awesome, it's messy, some people annoy me, that's okay, but we're gonna move forward together as a, a loving, vulnerable community. So we're gonna move into a time of communion now. And what I would, I would really love is, um, I would take some time to reflect today. Take some time to reflect on where are you in our church community? Not physically, where are you? Not what you're doing to serve our community, but where are you relationally? And I'm speaking specifically to people who have called Central Bible home. If you're new here, have only been here for a little while, this isn't for you. This is for the people who call Central Bible home and who have been here a while. What's stopping you from fully engaging relationally, being more intimate, intimate with people, being vulnerable, opening up your heart and your mind to, to be trained and taught um, both from the Spirit of God but also those who are around you. What's, that? What's stopping you from doing that? So as we move into communion, there will be some elders available if you'd like to talk and, and maybe open up to them and maybe there's some hurts or fears or pains that you have. Um, but I invite you to just be contemplative as we move into this song, next song. Ask yourself, why can't I go to the next level? Why am I being hung up? Why can't I follow what Paul tells us in Ephesians? We desire to be formed by the Word of God in community. If you have questions about this week's sermon, we would love to hear from you. For more information about our church, please visit centralbible.church.